0: all right guys yo what's up welcome back to the sobriety university we have a really exciting episode today and the reason why it's exciting is because we're going to be talking about a topic that has a big effect on addiction and relationships as a whole Uh, from what i found i kind of see it almost as the root of addiction and we're going to be diving into why that is and so we have an awesome panel of people today that have gone through their own codependency journey and have a lot to offer a lot of wisdom and i'm excited to learn as well so i'm going to bring First off, husband, welcome back.
1: Hey, thanks for having me. I love yep. this topic. I'm so excited to
0: dive into it. Awesome, man. Uh, and then we have Irina from uh, ThriveOnBalance.com, and welcome, Irina. It's the first time on this channel, so appreciate having you.
2: Thank you so much, guys, for having me on this channel. Super excited to discuss codependency. Sure.
0: Yeah, guys, it's it's no joke. It it can it can take lives and it can heal you too. So. We're going to just dive right in as we always do. No, no scooting around. So first question we have for the panel is what is codependency? And I think we'll just go through Alex, you can start and we'll just go through our definitions of what we think it is.
1: Sure. So I kind of view codependency as not being able to be oneself without another. So I talk a lot about the yin and yang of when you imagine the symbol, you've got the white and black intertwined, but there is a small. Black dot in the white and a small white dot in the black, and that's because we do have you know characteristics that are shared between you know male and female, but for me um and it doesn't necessarily even just have to be male and female, but what I see is that in relationships we tend to try and do more to fill somebody else, so codependency is asking somebody else to fill the void that we have in ourselves
0: hmm. I like that, I like that, Irina.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Of course, I also agree with the uh, definition description that um, you, Alex, had given. Um, In my opinion, what I would like to add, uh, maybe just a little bit of a different verbalization, codependency is something where somebody's self-worth constantly needs uh, validation from external sources. So when we are requiring from our partner to validate ourself self-worth on a consistent basis where codependent and we're unable, like you said, we're unable to function uh, alone. We may feel like we need to prove ourselves, sacrifice ourselves too much, completely neglect our own needs and feelings. This is where the complete lack of communication comes in. Uh, but essentially, yeah, it's kind of like a pouring, you know, water into a bucket with a hole. Like there's no... Way you can ever fill your needs or feel fulfilled in codependent uh, relationship, a codependent connection. Yeah.
0: yeah, I like both of those. Uh, definitely, the way I see it is looking outside yourself for for fulfillment. And what's tough about that definition is you know it's not just relationships. It's television. It's movies. It's food. It's it can be a whole host of things. And that's why it ties into addiction recovery because it's when you when you understand that. Hey, I'm looking outside myself to find something. What ways am I looking outside myself? Wow, I'm smoking weed every night. Maybe that's an option. Uh, I'm picking up the bottle to feel calm before I go to bed. That's codependency in itself because we haven't learned yet how to self-regulate those emotions. So for you guys, yeah, what what do you do to self-regulate? Like, how do you? How have you? How has codependency played a role in your life?
1: I'll let Irina go first on this. We'll bump back around. Give me a second. I got to plug in my computer.
2: Sure. Um, How codependency had played a role in my life? Well, I actually uh, recovered codependent person. Thank goodness. It was a bumpy road, but I had managed. Uh, The way it had manifested in my own life was essentially looking for external validation trying to get attention from man to validate me through the way I look. And that was my point of contact point of validation myself it was, it was the world because I for the longest time, I had uh, extremely low self-esteem and I believed that's the only attribute that's the only way I can get somebody's love. So I essentially spent some years looking for love. In their own places uh with their own people um until i finally realized like okay change is needed uh it took some time to recover from that um for sure and uh i became uh, i was extremely avoidant so for me codependency uh kind of Manifested in a way of being avoided in the relationship. So, at the moment, for instance, I'm twice the worst. I had two marriages. And if I were to look back and connect the dots in those marriages, I can see clearly now, being a coach and being extremely knowledgeable and recovered, I can see exactly where I'm a stop, exactly where I try to validate myself through external sources. I try to avoid hard conversations. Hid my feelings, suppress my emotions. Um, This is how it had uh, worked out for me.
0: So why did you pull away? Because when I think of codependency, I think of attaching, like extreme attachment. It sounds like you had the opposite experience.
2: It's because when it comes to codependency, it actually ties into the three attachment styles that we all have. Like all of us humans would fall into one of the three categories and one of the categories is avoidant attachment style meaning that i still crave intimacy closeness uh some kind of connection to the person but i'm unable to feel close in a healthy way because as soon as i get close i start panicking that i will lose my independence so for me it was always kind of push and pull type of thing so a lot of people are anxiously attaching and this is probably where it is a little bit more pronounced the codependency. It's just kind of a flip side of it. So if you're anxiously attached, you constantly crave, uh, crave this intimacy and closeness, but you're also constantly preoccupied with the type of relationship. Well, i was preoccupied okay do i still have my interdependence uh independence or they're trying to take it away from me like i they taking, trying to take my freedom but at the same time i wanted closeness this is why i had short insignificant uh connections uh kind of like a serial connections trying to feel love but not let anybody too close i hope it makes sense what i'm uh what i'm describing but it's it, it does it's Make it yeah,
1: hundred percent. Like it, it definitely does because it's like that. Once you get past a hurdle, it's like I don't know. Like I don't feel comfortable anymore, and you want to run away instead of developing where you're at. Right.
2: Exactly. Yes, and and all of three all three of this type of attachment that tied into either codependency or interdependency that we will talk about. They all come essentially from how we are in our childhood and in life, early life experiences. And if we don't spend some time and put some effort into, it's really like reflecting and bringing up to the awareness. Um, yeah, we'll continue just employing the same patterns, making the same mistakes, getting in the same toxic connections and relationships for the rest of our lives.
0: I really can relate that a ton. I'm thinking Alex. I'll say you can as well. So go ahead. Yeah.
1: No. Absolutely. And just to share my experience. So essentially, um, I had grown up in a way that I was constantly praised, and I always wanted to be the best. Perfectionism is a strength and a flaw for me, and so always trying to be the best and getting into relationships where I was always trying to be the best and not realizing that I was only giving and nobody else was take like they were only taking there was no give and take it was just me give them take uh that's what really opened my eyes to the entire thing and you know I know you you talked about Joel like substance abuse and, and whatnot oh my God um I really turned to the bottle after that happened and this was back in like 2017 where you know i was giving 80 hours a week to my job and then on top of that was trying to also be a good boyfriend and make sure everything was rolling well and i just i couldn't do it but the reason why i couldn't give it up right away was because i was getting the validation that i you know inherently i'm looking for it's like oh you're so great you do everything this is fantastic and so that was fulfilling that need but I was neglecting myself, and then in this relationship, it was just a toxic. Like they were just sucking everything out of me.
0: And and what changed for you, Alex, when you stop, like when you recognize that? Okay, like, hey, I'm only given in, in these relationships.
1: Yeah, so it's interesting. Like, um, you know, the first big awakening for me, I think I may have mentioned this before, and I'll mention it again, uh, was that I ended up getting arrested on false charges and it was a month it like dude this thing went on for forever it was a month before the hearing and my lawyer told me hey stay with her stay with her stay with her and i was just like i can't do it anymore so i broke up with her literally a month before the court date because i realized that you know what i'm killing myself through this when i could just let it go so that was the first time that I recognized it. And then in the future, it's uh, it's just taking those moments to take a step back and be like, all right, like, is this a mutually beneficial relationship? Is somebody taking more than somebody else is giving? Like, I do this with my girlfriend all the time. If I feel that I am taking more than I'm giving, I will ask her about this. Like, I will ask her, like, how are you feeling? Like, I feel like I'm not giving enough do you need more? And then boom, like we have the conversation and things get back on track.
0: That's interesting. And a big question for you, Alex, as you say that, because you're a, you're a dating coach. Um, a lot of the dating advice out there is that the man should be the one taking and the woman should be the one giving. How did you, you know, see through that? And maybe mm. you see the myth in that because,
1: yeah, no, it's interesting that you say that, and I don't necessarily agree with it. I think that both partners should be givers, but there's different ways that we give. So I find that when we talk about like, let's say, for example, the uh, what is it, the, the five love languages, so like gifts of service or acts of service and gift giving, like whatever, however it's phrased, like different things like that. That's how women tend to know how to give love. But it's not necessarily how men like to receive love, and so understanding that and communicating that clearly with a partner tends to lead to a better result. Oh, that's
0: powerful, man. Yeah, uh, still some programming I'm working through. So I appreciate you saying that. That you know the whole um, twenty, you know, nineteen sixties maybe relationship model isn't as sound as it as we think. And so for me, codependency came from uh, being a kid as, as all of us, uh, adoption. So I was adopted, uh, from Korea at a very young age. So I was taken from first, my birth mom, then given to a foster mom and then made a strong attachment with her. And then three months later was taken from her and brought to America. So for me, I always have, and it's very tough because I can't access the memories of that experience. So I've had to go through other routes, like getting through sober and trying to quit all this stuff so I can be hundred percent in my emotion. So I can try to maybe feel that feeling from when I was three months old. And what I find is in relationships today is that I, I as well, I mean, I struggle with that. Like I, as soon as I start getting close, there's a part of me that pulls back. That's like, Whoa, don't get hurt. If you open up too much, they're going to abandon you. They're going to, you know, ridicule you, make fun of you or something. And I find that, you know, I, I I'm, I'm learning how to break through that. So for example, with with like, let's say the relationship with Alex and I, um, we're we're doing some business stuff behind the scenes and there's been times where I've wanted to pull back. I've been like, yo, maybe I should just go do my own thing because that's what's comfortable. That's what's familiar. However, I know that if I can push through those comfortable, uncomfortable situations and, and like you said, Alex, have that communication, then most of the issues and fear that I have gets resolved and I realize, hey, I'm not going to get abandoned. Or maybe I'm not someone that abandons on the reverse on the side because I've been that person too that's cut ties with people and just been like, I'm never talking to you again because I didn't want to get too close. So I think that that leads very well into this point Irina brought up is interdependency. So Irina, can you explain a little bit about what that is?
2: Oh, absolutely. Uh, interdependency is essentially the state where our sense of selves is balanced where where and when we are supporting each other uh to essentially become our best versions of ourselves okay this is where we can uh like just just like usual uh mentioned, is like when you feel something's off and when you are aware that you have certain patterns you go hey you know what alex i'm i'm i feel like i want to pull back but let me see help me out to like come through it right like mm-hmm. just hold my hand, quote unquote, and just know that I've experienced this, but I'm working through it. So being able to communicate that to your partner, of course, you, you do need to have a certain secure base within your partnership. So you don't get humiliated, shame, you know, left at, of course, uh, the goes without saying hopefully but yeah essential interdependency is the ultimate goal and this is where we don't necessarily impose our opinions trying to change somebody trying to give too much but it's always kind of a balanced uh way and if it feels off then communication clear direct open honest communication needs to come in and um balance it all out
0: oh man that's so how how did how has interdependency played a role in your recovery then uh in in building those healthy relationships because that sounds nice
2: (laughs) it does sound it does it feels amazing do you know amazing how amazing it feels it's like hey I need this and then like I remember the first times when I actually started saying things I like I would hear my words and was like whoa I just said that out loud (laughs) I've never done it before like it's it's pretty incredible experience, but I've made so mistakes. And just to give you an example, like the second time I was married, I had a facade. I've, 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 I've almost pretended to be somebody I'm not. Well, at least I sh- I've shown only one part of me to my husband at the time. And when I started working on myself, I started showing more and he was like, who are you? <laughs> it's like, it actually surprised him, but that's, you know, jokes aside, it's really, it's toxic when you don't allow the person in, right? You, I've, I've blocked him off uh, from the part of me because I was afraid. I was afraid to be hurt. I was afraid to be abandoned. I was afraid that he will take my freedom somehow. Uh, there was a lot of fear. So the interdependency is something when you actually force yourself Uh, Well, first of all, you recognize that you had been in denial and that your needs are important. And then you accept the fact that when you actually speak about your needs, that there is a chance you'll be rejected for speaking them out. But you have to make your peace with the fact that if you were to set clear boundaries about yourself, about what you want, about your vision, and you get rejected, that's okay. Because if you do get rejected by that particular person or by that that particular experience, that means it's not yours. And it just gets you closer to something or someone that is yours. And it's baby steps. You essentially do it one connection after the connection. And it took me two marriages and quite a few connections, quite a few relationships, quite a few dates to actually get to the point where at the very beginning, I'm like, this is what I want. Okay. So... Let's either see if we're going in the same direction or not. We go in different direction. I wish you best of luck. And uh, it's possible. I mean, I'm living, breathing uh, proof of that. It is absolutely possible. Just take some time and uh, reaching out to professional guidance. This is actually one of the reasons why I'm a life coach nowadays is because having gone through everything I had gone through, I, I do have proper certifications and everything, but the life education and the wisdom I had actually gotten from making all those mistakes, messing up so many times, trying and trying again gives me much more of wisdom to share with others and to guide them, you know, from codependency to interdependency to make sure that they are secure in their connection with themselves and with others as well.
0: Yeah, I,
1: I love that. I want to. I want to say on that. Uh, Kind of what you were saying is, you know, with that codependency, they're essentially they want what they want and what you want doesn't matter. And that's why strong boundaries are so important. And it's interesting because um, I actually did not become a dating coach for a few additional years because of the person I was dating telling me not to do it and she didn't like it. And then all of a sudden, hey, we broke up. Uh, she just, I, I think she didn't like the idea of me. Uh, I, I don't know what it was. Hey, I was in a really toxic relationship. I'm sorry. And I was weak at well, the time. Why are you
2: there? I'm just curious why? Why? I you don't know. I, honestly, no. I can't even
1: explain it anymore because at this point, I blocked out a lot of the stuff from my memory. Um, but yeah, she just, she did not want me to fulfill my mission and didn't encourage me on the things that I wanted to do. And then, in this new relationship that I fostered essentially you know I I came out right from the start it's like look this is what I'm doing and this is what I've been doing either take it or leave it and she was like I love your passion I'm all for it and it's just been fantastic ever since
2: see that's your person that's the person that sees you as wholesome you not somebody broken somebody who needs you know, some kind of opinion that's imposed on you or fixing or whatever. That's somebody who takes you now and sees, Hey, how can I get you to get, how can I help you to get to even better version of yourself? That's the, you know, that's the true goal in any kind of connection relationship.
1: Absolutely. And then another piece, another piece on that codependency that I want to mention just while it's fresh in my head, you know, Joel and I, experience this as we work together because we also come from codependent backgrounds. So, you know, I'll message him and expect a response right away. I'm sure he probably feels the same. In this past relationship, um, it was one of those things where it was like, if you don't respond to my text within 10 minutes, oh, you have to be cheating on me. And I'm like, I'm at work. What are you talking about? So that type of codependency spiral that some people find themselves in like your life is your life. You're just living it alongside somebody else.
2: That's precisely, that's the uh, definition of the uh, anxious attachment style. So those three styles that I was describing at the beginning is like when the person is like 10 minutes and there is all of the sudden all this preoccupation. It's like, okay, he's cheating. Something's happened, something bad has happened. The hypervigilance kicks in. Uh, that's the anxious attachment style.
1: And I what's, what's do I go, go ahead. Go yes, ahead. But. Oh, I was just going to ask, and I, I believe the, is it anxious, avoidant is the last one?
2: So there is anxious, there is avoidant, and there is secure.
0: Okay.
2: Uh, anxious style is what we just described somebody who is constantly, so anxious, you're constantly suspecting that your partner is doing something and you're preoccupied with the relationship. So you're never at peace. Essentially, you're always tense. Unless your partner is right in front of you, physically present and is giving you attention. Avoidant is kind of like what we chatted with uh, Joel about. Like you get closer, you want to be close, but you are scared because you're scared that somebody's either going to abandon you or hurt you or something else is going to happen. And then you push, even though you want to be close. And secure is all we all want to be secure. It's when your, your self-worth is uh, truly strong and you're able to communicate, if something happens, none of us are perfect, we're all work in progress all the time, but if something comes up, you actually have an ability and you're not scared, you're not suppressing anything, you are actually voicing it, just like now sounds like you, Alex, had managed to have that uh, beautiful connection in the current relationship.
1: Oh, I am still not perfect at it, I'll say that. No,
2: it is, there's no such thing. (laughs) I don't even know why we have this word existent, there is no such thing as perfect.
0: (laughs) It's I think so a really. Too much. I think a really important part too, guys, is that you can oscillate between the the different ones. Some people, I'm more secure. Some people, I'm more anxious. Some people, I'm more avoidant. Uh, sometimes it's all between. And this is just learning about yourself more and kind of where you fall in. And I think each relationship for me is a lesson because I find that okay, if I'm acting this way around this person, I recognize okay, I'm I'm actually anxious. I'm acting anxious around this person. Why is that? And I can go back and I can trace the memories of the person or, you know, the the initial relationship that started that. Oftentimes, it's a remembrance of my folks and how they behaved. So, you know, we we oftentimes it's said you, you attract people that are like your parents. And I find that to be so true. The more secure I get, the more I see that that's not always the case. And it's still, yeah, it's absolutely a work in progress for me. And I really like a point too that you said that sometimes what you say is going to be rejected. And this fits really well into dating because in dating you go out and you get rejected all the time. And a lot of people avoid that because they don't want to get face that rejection. And I find that with that with all this, the more I can go and get rejected within relationships with like you know, dating and all that, the stronger I get. So I really like that too, because sometimes I go like, hey, I'm in this relationship now um things are going well i shouldn't have to face rejection again like i put all in this work i put all this work in to have this relationship um, be successful and then when that rela- when that rejection comes up it's like ooh like hmm, what's that about and so that's always a good key in arena i can just sense you have a you have a thought yeah ahead. i
2: was just going to say you know it's rejection is something that it's it's part of life like it's it's everywhere you know we just don't notice it's, it's for whatever reason the rejection when it comes to connecting or looking for a romantic partner this is where it kind of hurts the strongest and the worst for some reason but essentially rejection you know uh is everywhere like i've got two kids i go hey guys you want to watch a movie together i really want to spend time with you they go no i don't feel like it Mm -hmm. i just got rejected (laughs) right so it's a different type of rejection but essentially somebody does not want to do what i want to do with me, right? I just got rejected." And it happens. We just don't notice it as much. But essentially every time it happens, you know, tune in, it's like, okay, what do I feel? Do I feel like I want to get angry? or I want to smack somebody? It's like, if you feel any kind of strong, negatively perceived emotion, uh, it's an indication that you need probably to kind of bring it to the surface, to be awareness and explore it a little bit. It's like, why do I feel that way? You know, it's not the end of the world, it happens. We're not robots. We were full of emotional fluctuations on a daily basis.
0: Sometimes I feel like a robot. I'm not gonna lie, but yeah, you're right. Even the robots have feelings. And so I like, you know, that's a good segue, Irina, to the next. Like, how to overcome this? How to overcome codependency? I'm gonna touch on this first because something came to mind um, when you guys were chatting. And for me, the the biggest thing has been ownership. So owning my part of every situation, every toxic relationship with men every narcissistic relationship, like there's a reason I attracted that into my life. Usually it's because it's a reflection of a part of me. <laughs> so if I'm with someone narcissistic, it's because my narcissism, my narcissism has come out and wanted to be a part of whatever that was. So that's because, and again, like a big mistake I made was like, okay, I'm gonna look to other people for the answer as well. Like, and you want to do that to a degree, but I'm like, I'm gonna find the answers from X, Y, or Z person. And I became codependent on therapists, on gurus on people on the internet to find those answers when all along like i'm sitting with it answers are within
2: that that's great what you said because it it makes perfect be- oh, see i just used perfect <laughs> it makes great sense uh scratch that uh, i didn't say that uh it makes great sense um the answers are always within but very often we're kind of afraid to look inside because first of all they might be somewhat distorted and second of all they might be not exactly what we want to hear so we're kind of seeking, out you know there in psychology there is this term it's called uh desirabil- desirability bias what it is is just we're essentially we'll hear we'll seek out what we want to kind of uh find right so we will find the information just make ourselves feel good so that's why we're kind of going out so while at the moment for instance we have this abundance this beautiful abundance of information like you said joel like we've got coaches we've got you go on youtube you can educate yourself essentially on everything and anything right Mm -hmm. and it's great however what happens when you get this theoretical knowledge in you still process it through your filtering system and if your filtering system is not tuned up, you know, to the best ability, you will still pick and choose kind of thing. So then uh, my advice and in this, not just my advice, because I'm a coach, life coach now, but it also in my own personal experience, I finally reached out for personal, uh, for professional help, but I worked with various people, somebody who was able to give me like practical steps guidance, because I know I tried to fix it myself by educating myself. I'm a great learner. I learn fast, but I've consumed a great amount of knowledge just to realize that I still don't know what to do with it. You know why? Because nobody's holding me accountable. You need somebody who actually holds you accountable. So if you reach out to a coach and the coach goes, you have these tasks to do between this session and this session, and you better get them done because I'm going to call you every day to make sure you get them done. And this is what brings you this consistency and accountability working with a professional coach. This is what will give you essentially the result. And it will come through you um, basically developing fresh new neural path in your brain, in your mind, right? Because the patterns that repeat themselves, it's essentially the same. It's the path that we have created over years. But to break away from them, like you need this consistency. And you need the accountability on top of it. So acquiring the knowledge from um, the media or books or podcasts or whatever is a great start, but it is not enough. It's been actually proven that it takes only about six months. If you were to read a book and you get excited about it and you don't do anything in practice with it, in about six months, all of that will fade away.
0: They call it men- mental masturbation in the space where you just consume <laughs> info and you just get high off it. And yeah, I'm not going to lie. I was, I was a part of that too for a long time. And it's very yeah. seductive, very seductive. So I think a really important thing too is like, yeah, get that accountability. Like you said uh, at the beginning, right? It can be very helpful to have someone be able to walk you through those initial steps. Um, I've gotten a coach for anything I've ever started um, dating codependency, recovery, any addiction recovery, I've always got someone that can be like to guide me. Now, I think an important part too, is that I, and this is just for me, I look for a coach that's going to help me get independent. That's not going to want to just hold my hand until the day I die. That's like, Hey man, I want you out there. I want you, you know, living your best life without me. I'm just here to support you for this little short period of your life. And at first that really affected my codependency. Cause I'm like, dude, you're abandoning me on day one. Like what? Like, I want you to be here forever. And they're like, no, man, like my job here is to get you the skills so you can get out there and do it on your own. And so that's really something I focus. I know Alex, you focus on as well in your coaching is to tell the guys up front, like, hey, I don't want to take your money for to for the rest of my life. <laughs> um, my ego does, but let's be real. <laughs> it, we That's not healthy. So I want you with all the tools so you can move on as fast as possible. And that's what, when I gauge that, that's, how i gauge my success as being someone who coaches so the clients i've had recently they've been in like the month program and they're out and they're all they're living their life and they're happy i'm just like sweet <laughs> like that's i've done my job i don't need the that's,
2: that that's essentially it yeah because coaching there's a big difference between coaching and therapy therapy people i actually almost every single client i got for life coaching They have done therapy for years, and they've hit this plateau. And just like you said, Joel, the mental masturbation, like you go there, it's a safe space. You feel good about sharing because you feel it's a safe, non-judgmental space, but you're not given practical steps. You're not held accountable. So coaching, yeah, absolutely. Here's the set of skills. Let's fix it up. Make sure that you, you know, teaching you to fish versus giving you fish. There's a big difference um in between coaching and uh the therapy i'm not against therapy i've done plenty of it yeah. but i know that when it comes to certain aspects when you do need that kick in the butt and the accountability it is that coaching is definitely the way to go
1: yeah. Oh,
0: absolutely yeah, yeah i would
1: i would definitely say the same thing i mean i i told joel before and hey joel we're long enough into the stream so i can curse i used to say to my clients after we're done with this program i never want to fucking see you again and it's not because I don't like you. It's not because I don't like you. It's because I want to give you the tools so that you never have to come back to me again.
0: Yeah,
2: that's the ultimate goal. Yes, but then they'll you know they'll bring you new clients because they're going to be healthy and thriving in life. And this, oh, is, yeah.
1: this is no, and that's that's the truth. I actually uh, I'm very close touch. I just had one of my old clients from like two years ago uh stopped by as he was traveling by he had a layover in philly uh that's where i'm from and so we hung out for like three hours it was a great time so it's it's fantastic to develop those relationships but that whole like pushing you towards that interdependency not relying on somebody else like yeah i think that that kind of gets lost sometimes in coaching and that's what differentiates a good coach versus a bad coach is a good coach will make it so that you don't have to talk to them anymore. A bad coach will keep you there, so you have to continue talking to them.
2: That, yeah, thanks for mentioning that. That's actually very important because uh, I, I just had a conversation with some of my clients uh, just last week we had a session. She was she asked me, she's like, so are we going to be like doing this for the rest of my life? I was like, oh my God, I don't know. <laughs> We're not doing this. Oh my this God, yet.
1: I hate you. No way.
2: No, I'm like... <laughs> I just a <make> joke. <laughs> the money is good but no the goal is the goal is to get you out into the world happy and thriving uh, not at all um so but i don't know how the coaches do it but i get I get excited. I get happy when I see somebody actually building up that uh, ability to be interdependent, the building up that self-worth, you know, finally setting boundaries. I work a lot with women where setting boundaries is a big, big problem and self-esteem is low. So seeing improvement in that is just invigorating. It's just, it's, 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 it's amazing.
0: I always kind of say like, I want my coaches, my clients to surpass me to where I can go to them one day for coaching. And I've actually done that a couple of times. I talked with a buddy today and he's giving me like inner child healing parts therapy, like, like therapy. <laughs> it's just like, it's amazing. And um, yeah, that hierarchical thing, it can be seductive, right? Especially if you've been someone that's been maybe not seen in that light. I know for me, it was like a bit of an ego trip. I'm like, oh, these people look up to me. Oh, look at me. And then eventually I'm like, okay, that's not the point here. The point is to help them and uh, create those relationships. Right. Just like you guys said, like, it's great to be able to connect with somebody after you've helped them watch them grow you know see their progress and then maybe even become friends one day like there's nothing wrong about that i know in therapy that's a big no-no like, you don't want to do that um i saw a therapist and then i was doing delivery for food and i delivered to his house and he just got it was really uncomfortable <laughs> he's like cause he's like fuck this guy knows where i live now <laughs> and um but yeah so transitioning on um uh, how to manage relationships with people that have codependency is, is our last and final question here today. And I want to start off with how do we manage relationships with ourselves when we have codependency? Because as we said earlier, it all starts with going within. Um, You can't really change anyone else, but you (laughs) can't. And you literally can't unless you like cut their arm off or do something like physically harmful. But in terms of like emotional all that stuff, you can't help somebody unless they don't want to be helped. So I always find it's just not even worth putting energy into trying to change somebody else or the situation when I can just go inside and change my whole mental attitude or perspective or uh, you know emotional state to those. So how do you guys, when you have codependency comes up, come up because we're not perfect? What do you do to manage that
1: i'm gonna I'm gonna take this one first. So it's something that I see that spurs up. And quite honestly, it's because of trauma in the past that now I'm codependent. Maybe I had some of it and it flared up because of that relationship and I can never fully get away from it. But I find it a lot where if I send a message to somebody, whatever type of relationship, whether it be a girlfriend, even it could be sending something to you, sending something to friends, and I'm not getting a response in a certain amount of time. My brain starts to go haywire, and so the first thing I'll do is I'll go ahead and type out an angry message. And the best thing that I found is type out the feelings, and then close your messaging app. So (laughs) you've said the words. You're still thinking about sending it. You've said the words, at least in your mind. You've said the words, and give yourself space to make sense if it makes sense to go
0: ahead and do this. I love that dude. That's huge. That's huge.
2: That's, um, that's great. I actually would like to add some, uh, to that and share one of the techniques that I, when I coach, when I do life coaching with somebody, especially with somebody who is dealing with COVID dependency and trouble in relationship with themselves or others. um, One of the things that I'm certified is it's called positive intelligence Uh, and the technique that is used, um, remember when I mentioned that we need to create fresh new neural paths in our brains in order to act, feel, uh differently from what it had been before from our old patterns so there's a way to do it and when i coach i teach that we have these two parts of the brain right we have the survival brain something that we kind of uh, evolved with right it's something that we had to use when we were chased by tigers and bears we're not chased by bears or tigers anymore. However, that part, uh, that part of animalistic brain is still there, even though it's only perceived danger, imagined danger in our minds. So there's this part of the brain, and uh, sur- let's call it survival, survival brain. And then there is a thrive brain, from where we can actually come uh, with the sense of positivity, with the sense of sage, where we can actually see a gift and opportunity in challenges where we don't go into the internal dialogue and spiral and go into negative emotions. So, and for that, there's actually a technique that I teach. It's a shift essentially when you get, because what you just described, Alex, is essentially it's all in your head happening, right? You're imagining scenario. Uh, So you're in your head. So you have to get out of your head and get grounded into your physical body. It's a way to develop that um, part of the brain that would be thriving part of your brain coming from the positivity, and the best way to do it is focusing on your physical sensation. I have a bunch of like guided exercises, guided meditations that I share with my uh, clients when I coach them, but uh, I can show you, I can tell you just one real quick. So for instance, as soon as you feel the spiral going on, and usually you feel it like in your stomach, your anxiety, it's kind of building up, it's accumulating, right? One of the things you can do, for instance, is put your fingertips together and you just try to rub them together and you bring your whole attention to this physical sensation and you rub them together and you feel the ridges of the fingers together and you just keep bringing your mind back to this physical sensation because your mind will drift off and will will drift off for sure. And it's natural. It's impossible to keep our mind focused on one thing for a very long time. But if you keep bringing it back, every time you bring it back to the physical sensation, you create that new neural path. And the more times you do it, the um, better kind of the right on that neural path becomes. Or you take your right hand and you put it on your stomach and you focus on your breathing and then you just go inhale, exhale. You just only feel and rise and fall of your stomach. It seems like such a simple thing. But if you keep trying to bring your mind and attention to your physical sensation, uh, it does wonders. And essentially, if you about do about 100 of this per day, just a few seconds, this exercises, PQ, I call it PQ because it's Positive Intelligence quotient. So I call it short PQ, right? If you do this, it develops the other part of the brain and it deactivates the survival brain when we do want to go into that spiral, so there are techniques to do it and get out of your head and get into the physical uh, body. Or writing, writing helps. I don't know if you've tried that, Alex. For me, writing helps. I have my clients write it out, whatever's in your head, tear it up, and throw it away.
1: Yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. Two things, two things. Go Longhorns. Two things right there. Uh, one, I love uh, the first thing you're saying because it reminds me of like the tapping type of stuff that you can do to distract um and then uh yeah journaling was what saved me from my last very toxic codependent relationship and it was doing that and as you said ripping some things out um i do keep some of it just as a memory right now uh but really putting your thoughts down somewhere else it takes it out of the brain and it is so powerful
0: yeah. It is powerful really because our mind into the physical. That's how I like to frame it. Because when it's on paper, it's like, okay, this is this is God, this is the universe, higher power God. It's it's not mine anymore. the you know, Universe, do as you want. So it's an act of surrender, I find. So I love that. Journaling's so powerful.
2: Yeah. It is. It's it's just most people need to kind of get it and understand that our mind is our best friend, but it's also our worst enemy. And what all of this fears, fear in, this, in essence, it's it's nothing. It's empty space filled with what ifs. We create the fear, right? It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. It's something that we imagine. And if we only realize like, okay, how, do, so it can be your best friend or it can be your worst enemy. How do I want to use it? There are techniques. This is why I like coaching. When I do coaching, I was like, okay, few months and you go into the world and you use that right uh and it works it it works it's so simple but it's so powerful i
1: have to say say, hold on Joel. joel i'm sorry i just have to say irina that is one of the most powerful things i've heard in a long time and i am so happy that i'm doing this show with you right now because that really hit me that it's just an empty vessel and it's how we decide to use it
2: yeah and you fill it up with you decide what you fill it up with sure.
0: We're going deep, guys. (laughs) I love it. Yeah, it's uh, we have a choice. And, you know, if you're hearing this, guys, and you're like, well, I can't do that. It takes practice. So, you know, you and and that's why we talked about like getting a coach, getting getting into recovery groups. And, you know, it's funny, Alex, you say that when you're talking with guys and you don't get the the response right away, that it really you have that reaction. I get that same reaction when, when I'm talking to a girl I like. If it's guys, I don't give a shit. It's like, whatever, respond when you want. But oh, it's good to know how you feel about me. Awesome.
2: <laughs> I was just about to say.
0: <laughs> In my, well, my mind is like, these are men on their mission. They'll get back to me when they can. So it's an act of respect of not caring. With the girls, though, I'm just like, like it is only if that, like, I really like them. Like I had a date last week. Great connection. She's sober. I'm like, higher power, power. Like, perfect. And then my mind just started spiraling. Like, all like the future projection and stuff. And... She she showed that uh, that secure attachment with me that she was interested in seeing me again and yet I in a sense I self sabotage by pushing it away but at the same time over pursuing it's it's this weird dichotomy
2: that's your survival brain sabotage always comes from survival brain as a matter of fact when I coach I teach there's ten major saboteurs one is the judge that always we judge ourselves we judge others we judge the circumstances and then there's nine other ones okay but sabotage comes from the survival brain and Mm -hmm. it depends which part of the brain gets activated so you still need to make sure to work on make deactivating the survival part of your brain survival brain and making sure shifting to the thrive brain
0: oh yeah And so some things I did when that happened is I talked about it. I I reached out to people that I trust and I had conversations with them. That's a really good exercise, right? Not codependently, but just, Hey, I'm having this issue. Um, What are your thoughts about it? And then the third, second thing I did was there's codependency recovery groups. I can't say them by name, but if you literally just search codependency recovery group, hundred dollars says it comes up right away. Um, You'll know what it is. And those have been so powerful for me. I've been going for over three years now and I go probably at least once a week because I can just talk about what I'm going through with everyone else, with dozens of people who get it. And as I said it out loud, it helps me process it. I know that nobody in that group's going to be able to solve my situation. Uh, it's something I have to work through. And it was very painful because I know like, this has been what I've been asking the universe for, for a very long time for, for a person like this. And the fact that I did kind of sabotage that now, I don't know if I've completely sabotaged it yet, but uh that you know, I, I made those first initial stabs, uh, it's tough to sit with. And so I really appreciate this podcast because I get to heal some of this too and just know that, hey, people go through this. I'm not unique. That's a big thing in recovery too. You're not unique. Every human being has a, an attachment to something. It'd be honestly weird. I think the only ones that don't are psychopaths, but they have an attachment to killing. So technically they are codependent to something. Every living being on this planet is, a, is codependent to something. So it'll never be completely healed. Irina, I, I, I sense, again, I sense a...
2: a oh, voice. i I have something to say, sorry. No, it's just... It's, it's all, good.
0: It's,
2: all good. it's beautiful what you're sharing. It's beautiful what you're sharing. What I wanted to say, and I wanted to make this very clear to whoever is listening, is that we are wired, evolutionary and uh, biologically, physically, to be dependent. Think back, who would survive thousands of years ago? The one who would have support system. So we are wired to be dependent on somebody. The problem is not dependency, okay? Dependency, it's... it's. Uh, so if I were to say it, let's say, if I were to sum it up in like one sentence, I would say that like depend- the whole dependency paradox is essentially is, um, you... Um, if you want to take, for instance, the road towards finding uh, happiness, uh, fulfillment, uh, inter- independence... Then you need to find, first you find the person that wants to travel this road with you. And then you travel together. Finding your tribe. So this is your secure base, right? But we are dependent and it's a beautiful thing. It becomes less beautiful and more toxic when it switches to codependency. And this is where this intricacies start playing, you know, a bigger role. But we're dependent and we should be. This is why, like, when I do relationship and dating coaching, it's like, and I hear women come from me. It's like, I don't need a man. I'm like, yes, you do. Yes, you do. (laughs) We need each other. We need each other as humans. We need each other as community. We need each other as men and women. And there is no shame in it. It's just, I know, like, right now, like, when I go on social media or I read something, there's a lot of this, like, no, first you need to be completely independent, self-sufficient, and then you find, you know, your person. This is beautiful and it, it holds certain power and certain truth to it. However, uh, my suggestion, my way is you communicate the fact that you're imperfect, you're a in progress. You did this and you had these patterns, but you're right now figuring out how to make the relationship as healthy as possible, Okay, And you invited the person into your space, into your emotional, physical, energetic space that is willing to do the same. And then you go together on this road towards happiness, independence, and fulfillment, Okay, But saying that I'm going to be alone fixing all of this, and then as soon as I'm perfectly fixed, then I go find that person. That I, I don't think that's going to work because we are truly wired to depend on each other. We do need each other.
1: I I a hundred percent agree with you, to be honest. Uh, that's kind of how the discussions with my girlfriend have been is like, look, this is who I am. This is what I'm doing. These are my problems. Are you along for the ride? Because I'm along for your ride and then yeah. we do it together.
2: Yeah, and it just means that you will attract the person with the same drive to make yourself a better version. And and the the goal in any relationship is for you to be a better version of yourself a year from now, and and also simultaneously be a stronger unit together. Because believe it or not, we actually there have been studies done when we get together in relationship with somebody. We don't just depend on each other. We actually form a physiological unit. Like there have been studies done. They had they measured uh, blood pressure, heart rate, and everything. And we really, truly make this physical unit together. We depend on each other physically. And it's also been proven, that's for you guys, that you are, if you're partnered up, uh, you live longer, happier, healthier life.
1: If yeah. with the right girl. <laughs> <laughs> Actually,
2: you know what? The funny thing is that they've done, uh, the stu- at least the studies I had read, is that for a man, it's important to be partnered up regardless of the quality. <laughs> uh, but for a woman, it's the uh, ability to have close uh, female friendships and good marriage that uh, helps our longevity.
0: I've heard that too. I've, I mean, that's a great point. Cause like, I don't know if you've ever heard two, like, if you've seen two women together, they're almost more like they're just in each other's energy. Like that's what I've heard from women is they just want to be with a woman that can understand exactly what they're feeling. They don't need to answer guys. We're very logical. So we need somebody that can be like, yo man, here's the answer right now.
2: <laughs> and, we're different. and we can compliment each other. That's, that's like, it's looking. Like, I always say it's like, imagine it's like unwrapping the candy. Like you don't know what kind of candy is going to be there you're unwrapping it and you're getting to know this person but if you're willing to do it you know in reciprocity and getting to know each other it's a beautiful thing you compliment each other like uh, it doesn't get better than that instead of going it's like no it's his fault no it's her fault I don't need a man I don't need a woman yeah that's not true we all need each
0: Mm -hmm. other oh man Uh, guys that's this is beautiful and (laughs) I could talk about this for all day however we are going to be wrapping up here so First off, I want to say, yeah, thank you to you two for coming on. This was a very great discussion. And this is a, practicing my attachment wounds by saying goodbye because I have like, I have struggles saying goodbye. If anyone's like been in a relationship with me, like dude, this
1: guy sucks. We were on the <laughs> phone for like three hours last week and he completely ruined my entire work day because I just was chit chatting with him. So he's not lying.
2: Chit chat probably was going pretty
0: well if you were staying there for three hours. <laughs> we like each other. What can I say? <laughs> Uh, It's called the Midwest goodbye. If you've ever been in the Midwest, people just, you know, they'll be like, Hey, great to see you. You know, tell the kids I said, hello, by the way, how's.
2: (laughs) And then two hours later, Oh, it was great to see you.
0: (laughs) Oh man. So, uh, so we're, we're practicing that today. Um, Guys, if you do want any help on this, I know this is tough stuff. This is deep stuff. It can be triggering to even think about it. Uh, you, ha- you have three people here that are, are going to be happy to help you and, and heal that for yourself. Either we worked with you directly or we guide you in the place where you need to go because um, we've all been there and it sucks. And the the beauty and freedom of it is, like I said earlier in the community, is worth more than money could buy. Like I am so content with like if I if I'm never a, a bazillionaire, who cares? Because I have peace when I go to bed at night. Like you can't buy that. So speaking of community, uh, we did just launch uh, the Sobriety University community, and this is a place where you can come, you can learn, you can uh, work on your addictions, connect with other people that are either going through it or have gone through it. Um, we have a great community. It? It, it's just fantastic so far. There's we, we have a lot of people that are on the path. Yeah, the the engagement is. Uh pretty high it's weird <laughs> <laughs> and um yeah alex you know i just want to say thank you for helping he was a big part in an integral part in creating that and i couldn't have done it by myself so kind of coming full circle like you you need people like irena has been saying and at the same time you need to know how to have that space to yourself so uh, if you guys do want access to that you can uh, download, you can go to the, the website, which Alex created. It's a beautiful website. It's only 10 bucks a month to join. And so very affordable. I know when you're in addiction, sometimes money isn't the most lucrative. So I we wanted to make sure that anybody can join and has access to it. Um, going off that we have a very special announcement, which I'll, which I'll let Alex say, but before I, before we go to Alex, um, Irina, you shared with me that if anybody from this community wants a free coaching session with you, It's available.
2: Yes, I would love absolutely. If uh, anybody um, on my website on ThriveOnBalance.com, you can book a call with me. As long as you mentioned that you are coming, you've seen me on Sobriety University uh, University, Uh, I'm happy to do a one hour free coaching session uh, just to see how I can help. And uh, I hope that I could be super helpful uh, going forward. I've, I've, because yeah, I've been there. I've done it. I have got a sticker. I, I, can absolutely guide others now.
0: Oh, thank you so much, Arena. And I will be booking a call with you. <laughs> I'm going to say that right now. <laughs> so hopefully, this you know extends to the host as well. But, uh,
2: absolutely, I have a
0: lot of questions. So um, anyway, uh, where can people find you, Arena? If they want to connect,
2: uh, the best way to get in touch with me is uh, through my website that is uh, displayed there. Thrive on Balance and either quick email or booking a call, uh, whichever one is easier. And, uh, and then we go from there. It's all on, on the individual basis. I do prefer speaking to people uh, on video because I need to see the person. I need to experience the person uh, so they can do the same, see me, experience uh, the interaction. And uh, my mission is essentially making the world a better place, a healthier place and coached client at the time. So, reach out. Yeah.
0: Thank you, Arena. And uh, Huds, to you. Where can people find you? Dude, I can't
1: believe you, you were dropping that. I didn't know that you guys were doing a free call. Like, that's, that's a steal. <laughs> 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 that's so nice of you. I really appreciate that, Arena. That's awesome. And, you know, I know Joel, you're, you're going to talk to her, but anybody out there, definitely link up with her because she knows what she's talking about. And it can really set you in the right direction. But my announcements, Men of Now, the official community, launches tomorrow, Mm. Friday, October 13th. Yes, I know it's supposed to be a bad luck day. Yes, I know that there's some type of international war thing going on and they have to increase security in the States. Hey, in all the bad in the world we're going to bring some good and yes. the men of now community and the men of now community is a bunch of coaches like myself and Joel, bunch of other guys helping men be better men and living the lives that they always wanted to live. So if you're interested in that, definitely hit me up down below on my IG. I don't know, Joel, if you're going to have it in uh, in the chat or description for this video, but definitely check it out, man, because um, this is so cool. This is so cool. Having men come together for just $50 a month. You essentially get free webinars with experts in their field. Like we're talking like multimillionaires lending their secrets to you, as well as just having a community that helps other men grow together. Like, cause it's all about us coming together. It's not about individuals making it big. It's about us moving forward together. So really excited about that check out a uh we're gonna have a stream tomorrow on it but um yeah it uh it starts tomorrow and this has been months in the making so i'm super excited
2: that's awesome that's great i i I mean both of you guys you're doing amazing just it's fascinating it's all about community it's all about creating tribe here locally where i live in virginia i host every other sunday i host events for people to do exactly that to make friends i call it friend and meetups people are lonely so I'm trying to, you know, bring them together. So it's yeah. absolutely noble what you're doing. And hey, by that, we can absolutely dilute all the bad news that we keep hearing from the world.
0: Absolutely. That was what my plan
1: all along. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Perfect. Um, okay. Oh, here okay. it comes again.
0: Cool. So guys, uh, quick question. No, I'm just kidding. All right, guys. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for coming on. We right. uh, really appreciate everyone who tuned in. And we'll talk to you in the next one. Adios.
2: Thank you.